Ladies and gentlemen, hi, this is Dr. Tiffany M. Lloyd, host of Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff, broadcasting live each week on Saturdays at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time from Fishbowl Radio Network Studios at Globe Life Park in Arlington, Texas. Tune in to hear how we will be unpacking issues in our society, aligning with the teachings of Christ. So be sure to log on each week on Saturdays at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time to catch Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff. Follow me on Facebook at Dr. Tiffany M. Lloyd. Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff. On FishbowlRadioNetwork.com Jump in. Jump in, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, and welcome to Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff. I am Dr. Tiffany M. Lloyd. This is the day that the Lord has made, and let us rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you so much from the bottom and top of my heart for tuning in with me and hanging out with me for an hour. If you are listening to me on the Fishbowl Radio Network, hello to you. If you are watching me on Facebook Live, hello to you. Please type in where you are watching me from, and please do a form of ministry if you are on Facebook live please like and share 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 that is a form of ministry and hello to all of you that are watching me on youtube on the replay if you haven't please subscribe to my youtube channel at jesus and justice with dr tiffin please follow me on instagram at tiffany.m.lloyd and follow me on facebook at dr tiffany m lloyd what an amazing show we have oh praise his name he is known for that one-liner we have the legend dr tellis j chapman the pastor of the galilee missionary baptist church in detroit michigan hello to the galilee missionary baptist church hello to detroit michigan hello to dr chapman and first lady chapman hello to all of you from around the world thank you so much for making jesus and justice with dr tiff a success um you have no idea how much i appreciate you um so i I'm just going to get straight to it. But before we do anything, let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, you are so great and so worthy to be praised. God, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for blessing us to see a brand new day. Thank you, God, for giving us the activity of all of our limbs. We thank you, God, for your son, Jesus Christ, that played the ultimate sacrifice on Calvary. He died on the third day, but got up, died on the cross, but got up on the third day with all power in his hands. He said that I come that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly. God, I pray a special prayer for my listeners out there. God, I'm so grateful for them and I pray God that you enlarge their territory, bless their homes, bless their families, bless their finances, bless their health, God. Bless God everything, God, that is surrounding them, God. God, someone may be wanting a breakthrough. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, God, that you will incline your ear, God, to this prayer and bless them God in a mighty way someone may be dealing with a sickness God but we know that you are a healer above all healers God we pray a special prayer for the one-year-old God uh, in Baton Rouge Louisiana that was laid to rest on today that was uh, killed by gun violence God and we pray for healing God for that child's parents God we pray God that you comfort them in a mighty way and everyone else God that is hurting right now God your word says blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted God I pray 
for this show on today, God. I pray, God, that there is something that is said between myself and Dr. Chapman, God, that will minister to your people. I pray, God, that you will anoint every word that is said. I pray for my producer, Duke, God. I pray, God, that you will enlarge his territory, God. And God, I pray, God, that he will have a great day. And Lord, we'll be so careful to give you all the praise, all the honor, and all of the glory. We ask these blessings in your son, Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. I don't know about you but I'm feeling very good I listen God is so good I drove I love you so much I drove all the way here from Faraday Louisiana uh six hours straight from home straight here to the studio in the rain because I wanted to be here in the studio to present this man of God to you so ladies and gentlemen without further ado I will do my tip talk at the end so ladies and gentlemen without further ado Dr. Tellis J. Chapman so you were talking earlier about racial injustice so we the last time you were here george floyd had just uh died at the hands of officer derek chauvin and now we know that derek chauvin has been found guilty what are your thoughts on that do you think that we are coming that we're making strides in justice um but then after that we had dante white and you know we had micaiah bryant and all of those other people that have died at the hands of policing and congress is still struggling to pass the george floyd justice and policing act what are your thoughts on all of this i think it is a disgrace to life to the value of life itself and until the George Floyd bill passes, passes which um, uh, prevents chokeholds, uh, flash bombings, um, um, riot control with military regalia, uh, until all of those um, aspects of policing are dismissed. And the stickler, which is what really has... Congress halted at this point and at an impasse is qualified immunity. Mm. And when you give a police officer, and I passed a police officer, I passed a sheriff deputies, I passed a retired, I passed a retired police. I sit on the state commission of police for the state of Michigan. I, I, I don't have anything against police, but there are bad doctors, there are bad lawyers, uh, there are bad um, preachers, there, there are bad congresspersons. And the problem is so many in Congress have been bought by the NRA or the National Rifle Association. The police union has, has very, very deep pockets around this nation. And so much has become politicized while people are dying in the street that looks like you and me we're dying in the street and everything is so politicized in national congress um it it it, it says that life really has doesn't have much value to people unless it has a political attachment to it and until that bill is passed, until the Just for the People Act is passed, we're going to continue to see our people dying in the street, um, home invasions without, with no knock warrants. Um, we're going to see police 
uh, forever walk away uh, from courtrooms if they ever taken the courtrooms uh, after having taken the life of someone just on the premise of their feeling that their life or lives were threatened. And this is not, this is not, um, it is not godly, it is not just, and, and it is not justifiable. And until we can get through, get, get through this younger generation to register to vote, to run for public office with this kind of consciousness, and to get to the polls and to vote the right people in office, all we're doing every election is voting for the same people to keep doing the same thing. Different players, same game, same rules. I am counting on this coming generation, this generation who could care less about your race, who could care less about gender, who are not uh, xenophobic, who can dispense with classism and sexism and racism and have a mind for social justice, I think that will be the time things will really change. This does not say that we should stop fighting as we speak, but the battle is more intense now because people in Congress are so attached to lobbyists and they are so controlled by people who have poured into their campaigns and can and therefore cannot resist their proposals, their principles, and their positions relative to social justice, relative to the business sector, and on and on and on. Wow. Now, Vice President Kamala Harris and Senator Tim Scott made a statement saying that America was not a racist country, and it seemed like it sparked some racism. Now, I have to be very honest. I'm going to be very honest with you. The problem that I have with that is, it was when Tim, Senator Tim Scott said it, so many people called him and Uncle Tom a sellout and things like that. But on the other hand, when Vice President Harris said it, there was some that called her out on it, but then there was some, the same people who called Senator Tim Scott this Uncle Tom, which by the way, we've been using Uncle Tom wrong in, in, for so long, and that's a whole other conversation. But those same people who were calling him out gave her a pass. What are your thoughts on the statement? Um, that they both said, shared, and, you know, Vice President and President Biden even said that America is not a racist country. America is a, it, it may not be labeled as a racist country, but America is full of racism. And America is so full of racism it has beclouded the minds of the likes of a Tim Scott who is bought into the Republican Party concept and whom I believe said what they told him to say. And this is not to say that he's not a man of his own mind, but in that instance, he gave a Republicanized response to the query. 
America was born in racism. Mm -hmm. Stolen from Cochise, Geronimo, Sitting Bull, Dancing Moon, built on the backs of Angel Mama, Toby, Fiddler, and Chicken George, worked them for 246 years, and still haven't paid them, and don't want to pay their descendants. And then stacked with another 100 years of American apartheid. And you want to say America is not a racist nation? I mean, open your eyes. Tim Scott need to get his head out of the sand and realize that this is where black people are in this nation. How many black CEOs? I understand that the percent went up today like 24%, 24, maybe 28. I can't quite get the number exactly, but it is like uh, uh, nearly 30% of black CEOs now uh, in corporate America. Well, I mean, even at that, you're still uh, at a high percentage. This is not uh, including Asians, um, uh, trans-Pacific individuals of the trans-Pacific or uh, Latinos. If we say we are at 24 to 28% uh, representatives of, of corporate America CEOs, well, what about the other percentage? That's extremely high. So uh, to that I say uh, Kamala Harris uh, I believe is an asset to the face of the White House to help um, um, dispense with this wall of racism. Let's go back to the comments of um, Vice President Mike Pence during the debate with Kamala Harris relative to the question of stacking the Supreme Court because of Donald Trump's three Supreme Court Appointees, or nominees and and appointments, okay? So, um, uh, uh, Mitch McConnell uh, and Donald Trump blamed Barack Obama for not filling 200 federal judges' seats. Mike Pence brought this up during the debate. I tried to call... Uh, Kamala Harris's pastor, which I did on the day of the debate, and to talk to him, have prayer with him and her. I missed him by five minutes. She had to go on the air. Bottom line is this. While they were talking about stacking the court with Republicans over against Joe Biden's notion of adding two more seats or more seats to the Supreme Court, Mitch McConnell blocked Barack Obama from appointing federal judges mm-hmm. to those seats and blamed him for not filling 200 seats of federal judges, of federal judges to those bitches. Donald Trump used it as a part of his political platform and campaign that Obama didn't fill the judge's seat, left all of the seats open. He couldn't because... Mitch McConnell blocked them. And not only that, he blocked the Supreme Court nominee by Barack Obama. That's systemic racism. 
And until you get people like a Mitch McConnell out of office, like a Lindsey Graham out of office, like a Moochin, a Mnuchin mm-hmm. out of office, you're still going to have to deal with these kinds of issues. Why? Because everything to them is so politicized. If it isn't politically expedient, they will not touch it. If it is not in their best interest, they will not touch it. And I believe that Tim Scott has bought into this concept and somehow he has forgotten all about where his people are and say we have equal opportunity. Listen, we've already started 346 years late in the game. And you want to talk about equal opportunity and equal access. Systemic racism still abides. Racism is still prevalent in America. Look at what is happening to Asians. Look at the borders of America and Mexico. See what is happening to Latina families. See where black people are in the business world. And that will tell you where America is uh, in terms of racism. Wow. Do you think African Americans should receive reparations for slavery? I do, but not monetarily. I believe that reparations is essential, and it is one of the reasons why I would love to, why I aspire to continue fighting for social justice. I don't think money is the answer. I think that um, that some type of, of tax relief uh, would be the answer. Uh, for black people in America um, because once money comes into my hand, then where am I going? I'm going straight to the business of some billionaire who goes to the polls and vote to further oppress me and who takes their billions of dollars. This is not to disparage billionaires or millionaires. I just know how they vote. And they vote to get the tax relief while I'm struggling, lower class, middle class, striving to get to the upper class, these are individuals who pay no taxes while the middle class has to bear the tax burden of the poor and the rich because the poor can't pay it, the rich don't pay it, so who pays it? The middle class. So um, I don't think that putting money in the pockets of people will be the answer because the money ends up in the pockets of rich people who will become richer, who will further oppress um, people of the lower class and the middle class. I think the answer to reparations is tax relief. Mm -hmm. Mitch McConnell, this very diabolical, sinister leader of the Senate, Mitch McConnell, said that reparations was in America is impractical. Was it impractical to enslave my parents for 246 years? Was it impractical to cast the authorities down from Andrew Jackson to the states because he wanted to become president, so he gave the authority to the states instead of a, the, the Washington to make their own rules? This is how Jim Crow got started. For 100 years, was that impractical? discriminated against just because of the color of my skin, had to sit on the seat in the back of a public transit and get off of public transit if the if someone uh, who was not of color got on a bus or on a train 
uh, and had to wait, which meant that their travel took much longer uh, to get from point A to point B. Was that impractical? Reading signs in the public, which read colored only, white only, secondhand books in schools, couldn't go to major universities, which is why the school where you graduated from and the school where I graduated from were created, black universities. Why? Because we couldn't go to these major white universities. Was that impractical? I could go on and on and on. And for him to have the egregious gall, guts, and chitlins to say that reparations is, in America is impractical is sacrilegious. God is not in that, and he's not in him. What do you say to those, there was a, a, a political activist on here two weeks ago, Arthur Reed, he is an investigator for Attorney Crump, and he said this for, he said it's not all pastors, he said that there are some pastors who are just not doing enough. He said that there are some pastors, he said, again, not all, he said, but there are a lot of pastors who could do more. They don't want to speak on on social justice issues as what we're talking about because they don't want to uh, lose their popularity. And I have to say, I have been on several platforms um, lately and I've been told by several people from the faith-based community, don't touch on certain subjects because you will blackball yourself. Um, don't talk about subjects, Stay refrain from talking about subjects from, with the LGBTQ community, refrain from talking about subjects with racial injustices because you will blackball yourself. It That can come across as a sad commentary that some pastors or preachers are afraid to not, are afraid to talk about certain things because they are afraid to get blackballed. What do you say to that? I say that um, this calling uh, to preach the gospel is to speak truth to power. It does not matter who or what the calling to preach is to speak truth to power. If it is injustice to black people, to Asians, to Latinos, to lesbians, to straights, to gays, to transgenders, if it is injustice, you can't preach injustice to one segment of society and not against injustice to another segment of society. Um, and to the preachers who are not um, bold enough, who are asinine, who are spineless uh, to a certain degree, to, to the point they look out more so for their reputation uh, rather than uh, carrying out their assignment or their calling, then you are, you are doing your community a disservice. And I don't mean your black community, but since you mentioned black pastors, then this is where we are. Uh, whose people are serving, whose people are suffering, whose people are oppressed. So these issues, if it is injustice, then the preacher's role is to speak truth to power. Yes, some use the diplomatic method. Rather than marching, rather than protesting, they would rather go and sit down in a room with a mayor, with a governor, uh, uh, with some entity in, in, in society or in, in the community uh, that needs addressing relative to social injustice with the police uh, commission 
and so forth. That's fine and good. But I learned something from hanging around Jesse Lewis Jackson. Uh, and his thing was, if you want results, it takes one of the three components or all three. That is demonstration, it takes litigation, and it takes negotiation. And when negotiations don't work, you demonstrate and try to get to the point of litigation, and hopefully you can get some results in the court. Why? Because protests without policy equals nothing. Mm -hmm. It's all right to get out on the street and, and exclaim it was wrong to what we did to George Floyd. That's protest. Now we're trying to get it to become policy. If it doesn't become policy, somebody else like George Floyd is going to lay in the street under the knee of another Derek Chauvin. And they are out there. And if you don't believe they're out there, look at the titles of the individuals who are part of the insurrection on January 6th in Washington, D.C. Former military, police, school teachers, business owners, librarians. I could go on. These are the people we inter interact with every day. Take your money at a cash register. Say hello. Thank you for doing business with us. And they are part of the oppressive movement. So, um, having said all of that, I think when preachers realize how serious the call is, look at Elijah, look at Elisha, look at Amos, look at all of the prophets. They didn't care who the king was. They spoke truth to power. And if you'd rather take the diplomatic approach, fine. You must still go into a boardroom and tell a CEO you're wrong. There are no black people in your corporation. We won't buy your product anymore. And so forth. There are no black um, anchors that represent your network at night or in the morning. Nothing against white women. Nothing against white men. But why, no, why is there not an Asian anchor? Look at ABC, NBC, CBS, all of them, all of the above, CNN. MSNBC, look at the contrast. Where are our people? And if this is what we are not seeing, then it becomes the role of the preacher to do more than just get a sermon, go to the pulpit, delineate a gospel message, and in the black African-American experience, intone their voice, hoop it out, sweeten it up, put some music with it, dance a little bit, and go home, and you didn't even fight for unemployment. You didn't fight for injustice. You didn't fight for discrimination against your gay member. Yes, they're gay. Yes, they're transgender, but they're mine. And I'm not going to disown them. They're in your family, they're in my family. They're in your business, they're in my business. They're in your school, they're in my school. And when they hurt, I hurt. And when they're discriminated against, I must speak against that. Doesn't matter who that person or that power or that entity is, our role is to speak truth to power and not exhibit some weak or asinine disposition in that regard for the sake of comfort, for the sake of money. Let me go even further, Dr. Lloyd, with professional ball players who wouldn't be where they are had it not been for the blood, sweat, tears, sacrifice, and death 
of their full parents who helped to get them where they are. And to hear somebody like Shaquille O'Neal from Louisiana, this is no nothing against Louisiana or LSU or Louisiana State University, who said he never voted until this past election. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. You are all, you have been, been endorsed by so many different companies to do commercials for them, to be spokesperson for them. You've survived a career in the NBA, multimillionaire, and you have never voted? That's an insult to your people. That's an insult to civil rights. That's an insult to, aboli- that's an insult to abolition. And so on and so on and so on. And people do not speak out publicly. I, I applaud LeBron James and a few of the others who are affecting the NBA and others for messaging discrimination against people of color, fine and good. But so many of them are not because they're protecting their endorsements, they're protecting their money cushions, etc. Back to reparations. If we get enough black entertainers, enough black um, athletes, enough preachers, black business owners to start demanding this or else we'll never get it. Wow. What I know time is wrapping up. What do you want your legacy to be? Um, I'll take the words of um, the great Archie Moore, mm-hmm. uh, the prize fighter Archie Moore. He was asked that question and uh, he responded by saying, when, I, when people see me coming down the street, I want them to say, now there goes a man. Mm-hmm. That's what Archie Moore said. My thing is, I want people to say, now there goes a preacher. That's what I want my legacy to be. No president of this, no chairperson of that, no board member here, no board member of that, none of the above. All of those things are fine which gives me a platform to better serve the kingdom of God and the community I represent. But at the end of the day, I want my legacy to be when people see me coming or going, I want them to say, now there goes a preacher. I think people are already saying that. There goes a preacher because you are a wonderful preacher and a wonderful gift to the body of Christ. What is your, do you feel confident, my last question, do you feel confident um, passing the torch on to the newer generation of pastors? Yes. Those who are eager to learn, those who aspire for excellence, those who are humble in spirit uh, and who will minister at all costs, I believe there is a remnant, and there is, of individuals who have an appreciation for black church tradition and who have not bought into uh, the concept of a contemporized Christ uh, and a contemporized church, yet they can acquiesce and adapt to different modes or modalities of ministry while maintaining their roots. Uh, in their African-American church culture who know about the Brush Harbor worship experience, who knows about four parents who had to pray with quilts and black and, and cook and wash pots over their heads and, 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 and who has an appreciation for the organizing 
of the black community and black conventions and black associations and black universities, those who have this kind of awareness and appreciation are those to whom the batons and torches should be and are being handed to. And I think beyond that, Dr. Lloyd, God has a remnant we don't even know about whom he has or is preparing to carry on um, in his name, uh, who will not be afraid to march, to speak truth to power, to preach an unadulterated gospel, to pay the price, to commit to preparing sermons that are sound, profound, and Christ-centered, and who refuses uh, to be romanticized uh, by a plush lifestyle that is a misnomer and misrepresentation of preachers. Wow. Well, this has been an incredible time, and you will definitely have to come back because it's just so much more that I wanted to dive into. So I hope that you will come back on Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff. Thank you for be, always being very supportive of me, and thank you for just being the wonderful gift that you are. Well, thank you for the relationship. Thank you for the honor of sharing with you today. I trust that you will stay the beautiful woman you are within and without the conviction that you have and this platform that you have. I, I pray that you will continue to use it uh, to voice the sentiment of people who are oppressed uh, and marginalized. Um, as many platforms and voices that we could possibly get and hear um, I think needs to be a need to be heard. You are one of those faces, one of those persons. This is one of those platforms, and uh, I believe you will. And I encourage you to continue to do so and stay the course regardless. You are appreciated. Uh, you are respected. And um, we are lifting you up before the Lord at all times. Thank you so much. Will you pray us out? Certainly. But our Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for grace, love, mercy, your kindness, your care, and your goodness shown towards us. Thank you for Dr. Lord and this um, program, Jesus and Justice. Thank you for this collaboration uh, of a Savior who addresses society uh, through this medium. I pray that this voice would continue to be heard and that the community and society would yet be affected in a positive way. Grant uh, her security, serenity, and success. Keep us all in your care. This is our prayer. We pray in the strong, saving, mighty, marvelous, matchless, and majestic name of Master Jesus. Amen. I know what you're thinking, that that was a short interview. Guess what? It's not. Um, that was actually part two of the interview. For whatever reason, the interviews in the system got flipped. And maybe the Lord just wanted you to see part two first. But don't go anywhere because we are not done with Dr. Chapman. Uh, it was actually supposed to be, part two was supposed to be in the latter part. But 
you know, hey, things happen. This is the land of radio. So don't go anywhere. This is actually, I'm presenting to you part one of my interview with Dr. Chapman. I have more with Dr. Chapman. Don't you go anywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff. I have with me, I think he is a legend. Um, I have been knowing him probably for over 15, 16 years now, maybe close to 20 years. He is from Mississippi, and the only thing I will hold, he's close to perfect, except that he went to Jackson State University when everybody else, his nieces and nephews, went to the best school in the land, all points. State University. But ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dr. Tellis J. Chapman, the pastor of the Galilee Missionary Baptist Church in Detroit, Michigan. How are you, Dr. Chapman? I'm doing wonderful, and um, thanks for having me. We'll call it a truce, at least during for the length of the interview. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll go back to um, college rivalry. Uh, once the interview has, has ended, but for, for the time being, we're the best of friends. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much for being on the show. Now, you are one of the most sought-after preachers in the country. I've seen you preach for Kojic, for Full Gospel. How does that make you feel, being one of the most sought-after preachers in the country? Well, it humbles me uh, to be considered, um, to share in any uh, venue, um, any ecumenical venue, any interfaith venue, uh, it speaks volumes of about uh, God's call and God's disseminating of gifts uh, to preachers, to pastors. Uh, I am also grateful uh, to be invited anywhere and um, I, I can't say anything beyond uh, humility and grateful, as I may come across as conceited, narcissistic, or arrogant. Um, so uh, it's a very humbling experience, and to see and uh, share in venues of 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 alternating uh, worship settings. Mm -hmm. uh, is quite an experience. Mm -hmm. To be with the Kojic brothers and sisters is a marvelous experience. Uh, our Methodist brothers, the Catholic uh, setting, um, even the Islamic, believe it or not, setting uh, have, have been very welcoming uh, and receptive of who I am and who I represent and what I stand for. And I don't take these invitations lightly. I am great, I'm very grateful, and I am extremely humbled to be invited anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, because there are so many others who paved the way for me to get to where I am. Uh, and I must maintain that um, uh, trail, so to speak, uh, for others to follow. So, speaking, speaking of that, there are many people who want the platform that you have, right? There are many people who may want it, and it doesn't just have to be 
in the pastoral community, it could be in the secular world. Many people may want the, 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 the big platform to be invited. But what is your advice to those preachers in particular who may want that platform of being invited all over the world with our Islamic brothers and sisters, the Methodist brothers and sisters, the uh, um, Church of God in Christ, full gospel, but it's not maybe happening in the way that they want it to when they feel like, well, why is it this person is over here, it's happening for them, but it's not happening for me? Quite frankly, I don't think it is uh, something that a person should pursue. Um, it is more or less providence um, arranging things to this extent. Um, and for those who are aspiring for it, questing for it, be careful what you ask for, because it is not only taxing physically, it is taxing mentally, and it is taxing on the, on the individual families that are left behind, uh, children uh, who are with the absence of their father or wife, with the absence of her husband, and in some cases, churches that are absent of their pastor uh, who tries to meet these demands. And thank God that I have enough balance and supporting cast uh, and great staff uh, at our church to help make this uh, possible for me to do ministry uh, beyond my local congregations. Mm -hmm. So those who aspire for this, um, I mean, it's all right to have the desire, but I think it's more so God's arranging things and affecting other people of other faiths uh, who reach out and across the aisle to invite a preacher beyond their faith to come in an ecumenical or, or, or interfaith setting uh, to share with them, to talk with them, to dialogue with them, to worship with them, and to preach to them uh, because what you leave back home still still needs address mm -hmm. and, and presence and eyes and ears and voice. And without that, there's a tremendous price to pay. Mm -hmm. When did you realize that you had a calling on your life to preach? Was it something that you ran from? And then the C part is, who were your biggest influences in the ministry? Uh, I really start, started feeling the inspiration and urge um, to preach at like 16. And um, didn't understand it. Um, I was mostly involved with church choirs. Uh, I was always enthused by preaching, intrigued by preaching. Uh, hung around my dad, who was a prominent pastor in uh, Gulf Coast, Mississippi. And uh, met a lot of preachers and eventually went to college. Uh, and it was my aspiration to play ball. Mm. Uh, I played basketball, actually, and, at Jackson State. And the week before spring training, the weekend before spring training was to begin, I, I confessed my call to preach. And it is something that I cannot uh, articulate uh, in words as of how that happened. I just knew it within my inner spirit. 
Uh, and of course, um, my college pastor, the late Dr. James C. Matthews, was pastor of the Shady Grove Baptist Church in Jackson and the True Vine Baptist Church in Jackson, Mississippi. He was a great inspiration and guide uh, to me uh, to help me realize what preaching entailed, the demands uh, that it called for. But how did I know to answer your question directly? I just know it. How to articulate how I know it, I just know I knew it and I know I know it. It is something within a person's personal conviction uh, relative to preaching. It, there was no big voice. There was no big booming sound, no accident, no incident. It was the Lord's revelation to my spirit, and I could not rest within. I had no peace within until I acknowledged my call to preach. And my father uh, was perhaps the greatest influence. My college pastor, Dr. James Matthews, um, was a great influence and guide to me and teaching me, um, you know, he was a seminary professor, actually. And um, I sat under his tutelage for four years, directly, hands-on, um, at least two or three times a week and every Sunday. And that was pretty much my basic training. Uh, and from there, I met several other pastors, my cousin Fred Chapman, who was very influential, a pastor in Alabama. All of them now rest in the pleasantries of paradise. I could call many other names. And when I came into the National Baptist Convention setting, uh, I met the likes of the late Dr. C.A.W. Clark and, uh, and then Dr. William J. Shaw, uh, who was former president of the National Baptist um, Convention. Um, the late Dr. John Milton Burrell, who was co-founder with Dr. Gardner C. Taylor in founding the National Progressive Convention or the Progressive National Baptist Convention. These men took me under their wings and uh, taught me, so to speak, uh, the nuances of preaching and pastoring and interacting with people, shepherding people, um, and so forth. So those are the names. Uh, that's somewhat the experience in coming into uh, preaching. Uh, I would say to any young young preacher who, who who has this question posed to them, as I have several times, uh, there is no no person on the planet who can convince me that I have not been called to mm -hmm. preach. But articulating that will probably be a challenge for any pastor if they are real honest with the true call to preach. Now, some take it up. Uh, some aspire for it as though it is like a job or a profession, but it isn't. It's not a career. It's a calling. Wow, I like that. It's not a career. It's a calling. Now, right. speaking of that, you have several honorary degrees. You're well accomplished in your field. You're one of the most sought-after preachers in the country, but you decided to do something that is I think is very noble. You decided to go back to school. Now, let me say, I applaud that because I am all about education, especially being a college professor. But many people will look at a person like yourself and say, 
why would Dr. Chapman want to go back to college? I mean, he has all these honorary degrees. Uh, uh, he's the one of the baddest preachers in the land. He has uh, he's 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 asked to speak all over the world. What inspired you to go back to school? Because most people, believe it or not, most people think that once they are in a certain position in a certain field and they have these X amount of years behind their belt, they don't feel that nobody can teach them anything. They feel that they have crafted everything. What inspired you to go back to school? Well, uh, several things. Um, one, I started a family early. And um, with that responsibility of, you know, mortgage and um, insurances, groceries, utilities, all of the above, clothes, college. Uh, I had to buckle down and make sure that I had resources in place for my family. And um, having done that, I promised myself, or in the event of that, I promised myself that when I had gotten my children through school, uh, I would commit to going back to college to do something that I desired to do uh, very early on in my ministry. Um, and secondly, I wanted to qualify uh, in, a, in an academic, in a legitimate, formal way uh, what I know and what I'm doing. I wanted to formally legitimize what I'm doing. Now, I have been preaching over 40 years. And I still wanted to formalize I wanted what, I, what I'm doing, and I wanted to get into the academy to feel it, to experience it um, on a real level um, for myself because as I interact with pastors and preachers and lead pastors and preachers, I wanted to be able to really legitimately relate to pastors and preachers. I had a dear friend who has passed away, um, who, who he was aware of my honorary degrees uh, from Natchez College and one from Dallas uh, uh, Christian. Um, he said, Chet, DD really means you didn't do it. <laughs> and that struck me. And it challenged me that even though I knew the stuff, I've been around it all of my life, and in my collegiate years, I sat in the seminary class informally, unregistered, because that was my pastor, that was my mentor. Um, it, it, it struck me and challenged me to even aspire for it more so. And Dr. Hudson, uh, bless his heart, uh, who was the recruiting agent for uh, United Theological Seminary in Dayton, Ohio, um, Met him for the first time, and it seemed like he was a big brother, a dad. Put his arms around me and said, Reverend, uh, whatever you need, we can provide it for you. Just say you want to come. And he laid out the um, red carpet, so to speak, and challenged me to do this. And on beyond that, um, he challenged me to prepare to teach in the seminary and indicated that in order to teach it, you have to be able to represent it legitimately. And I appreciated that, and I yet appreciate that. I thank God for him for pushing me uh, to do this, 
beyond my own personal desire to to go back and fulfill my own commitment to myself. Now, at my age and stage, I've been pastoring just this one church for 36 years. Mm-hmm. Most pastors would be ready to retire, and many are retired because they're tired uh, and they're weary. They have paid their dues. They put in the time and sacrifice, so to speak, and they are retired. But I don't think God is done with me, um, and I think there is more for me to do collectively on the National Baptist scale, on a social scale, on a social justice scale, on an economical scale, on a racial scale, and I could go on and on and on with that. I have I have so many things I want to do for my community and for the kingdom of God, and I really think that the and it has helped and is is helping. Um, uh, so and that's those are the reasons why I decided to go back and um, and get my degrees. Wow, that's powerful. What do you think are some of the misconceptions of being a pastor? Acquiring resources, um, assets. That it is a um, that it is a plush life or lifestyle, uh, as it has been misconstrued, misrepresented through media, social media. Um, through the um, espousal of a dogma uh, or preaching that 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 conveys a dogma that that God wants His people rich and famous and popular and blessed and all of the above. This is it is a blessing, but it is also a burden. It is a sweet agony, to to quote the words of Dr. Gardner Calvin Taylor. Whoever enters this uh, with some ulterior motive is not only an insult to God, but a misrepresentation of the kingdom of God and the agenda uh, that God and the calling that God has laid upon our lives. So uh, the, the, the misnomer, of this being a plush and lush and popping stance lifestyle uh, is uh, is sadly misinterpreted. It's 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 sadly conveyed almost diabolical, and I'm I, I might as well say sacrilegious. Wow. So any young preacher who 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 who's on the outside looking in um, does not realize. The time that has to go into preparation. Take for an instance, Dr. Lloyd, a person who um, works a nine to five, an eight hour a day job, put in a 40 hour a week on their job. Um, any preacher who puts in less than that to prepare for preaching, to prepare for teaching, is not really serious. So this is not get a sermon ready in two or three hours, get a get a message ready in one day or two. This is an ongoing thing, and if I'm not up in the morning before day, and uh, when all is quiet and I can talk to the Lord, and I'm spending hours upon hours upon hours and day after day, 
uh, to to do this and make sure that at least I can present it um, in a comprehensive way, then I have I have sadly and seriously misrepresented the call to preach. So this is not a luxury lifestyle. That's a misconception. It is not an easy lifestyle. That's a misconception. Sometimes, um, you know, the sacrifice is family has to go, you know, to the enjoy. And this is not to say that we don't have family time. Uh, but sometimes a serious pastor preacher has to give up many extracurricular activities for the sake of preparing to preach the gospel. Moses spent a month with God. It's, the people didn't know where he was or what he was doing. But when he came back from that summit, look at how prepared he was. So prepared, they couldn't even look at him. He had such a glow on his countenance that people couldn't look at him. And um, I, uh, I, and I'm not, uh, I'm not a perfect person, a perfect preacher. But I just wonder what did what what happened on that summit that uh, changed his changed his not only his message but his countenance. I want that, if you know what I mean. And that means the family has to go sometime without the preacher. And he has to stay there and dig and wait and listen for God's voice as of what to do and uh, and sometimes get up uh, through the night and go and see about a family who has had a suicide incident and uh, a death or a sick call or, you know, family uh, uh, medical science has given up on um, someone and that, that preacher has to get up, that pastor has to get up. Two two thirty three o'clock in the morning, even with deacons and trustees, if they're a real shepherd, to go and see about their sheep. Now, some you know you don't touch them, you can't call them, you speak to their their representative, their secretaries. Um, you don't converse with 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 them. You don't shake hands with them when church is over. You don't get a chance to embrace them. You don't get a chance to talk to them. Uh, that's a person who I'm not. I'm not demeaning or belittling pastors and preachers who are of that um, vein. I'm simply saying a real shepherd shepherds their sheep, and they have to be hands on. Should be hands on, accessible, able to talk, meet with, talk to, fellowship with the people. Um, that you should have a real deep shepherd sheep relationship with. And that demands time away from family, uh, the lack of sleep, uh, hours upon hours of preparation, research, and study. Some pastors have ghost writers. Uh, it's, I mean, they do their research for them. Um, and they preach very frequently uh, in media, TV, and what have you. And it is absolutely impossible uh, to carry on that kind of schedule without some kind of support. So they hire ghostwriters. I'd rather listen to God's voice directly. I'd rather do my research and present the gospel as best as I possibly can. So it is very demanding. It requires sacrifice, uh, input, and loyalty. Anything beyond that um, is a misconception. Wow, that's a mouthful, very powerful. Has it ever been a time where 
you can share with the listening audience where as a pastor it felt leadership in any leadership it can feel very lonely at the top was it ever a time where it was a discouraging time for you or you made some mistakes as a pastor that you don't mind sharing with the listening audience and how did you pull yourself up from that yes um oh yes there have been times i've i've passed by the church and didn't want to turn into the parking lot um and not just at this location because Early on in any pastorate, pastors meet with resistance because they're not trusted. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so because they don't have the relationship. And I had to learn very early on that that leadership without relationship accounts for friction and lack of trust and disaster. So over the years, I've learned that developing relationships accounts for trust and the absence of friction. And this is not a principle that is designed to exploit people. It is designed to bring pastor and people closer together. And yes, I made several mistakes as a younger, much younger uh, pastor um, and have had to learn to go back and say, hey, I was wrong. I was sorry. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't dig deep enough. Uh, what I said to you guys. Let me make sure you get this right. Uh, that that even goes to the to to pronouncing words in Greek and Hebrew. Uh, and I'm a stickler for excellence. Mm-hmm. And if it's not right, uh, I'm not going to say it. I'm not go. I'm I'm not going to preach it. I'm not going to teach it until I get it right. But I had to learn that across the years uh early on wow um to watch the full interview of my uh to watch the full interview uh with dr chapman you can go to my facebook page at dr tiffany m lloyd's or you can go to youtube at jesus and justice with dr tiff or you can go to the fishbowl radio network and click on jesus and justice with dr tiff um we still had more to unpack um but because of time purposes unable to um, broadcast the entire video but if you are on facebook the full interview is already on there so again a special thank Thank you to Dr. Tellis J. Chapman and to the Galilee Missionary Baptist Church. And hello to First Lady Chapman. Um, before um, I, I uh, uh, do my tip talk, let me say hello to Dr. Chapman, First Lady Chapman. Hello to Dr. Frederick Douglas Haynes, the pastor of the Friendship West Baptist Church. Hello to Pastor Emeritus Jesse B. Bilberry of Mount Pilgrim. Hello to Arthur Reed, Silky Slim. Um, hello to Deaconess Sandra LaFleur, Deacon LaFleur. Hello to my mother, Gloria Lloyd, September. Black, Reverend Danny Lewis, Bishop Joseph Warren Walker III, hello to you, Reverend Raymond Riley, Georgia Edwards, hello to you, Stacy Everett, Donald Walker from Nashville, Pamela Franklin Taylor from Detroit, hello to you, Montella Urban from Gulfport, Mississippi, Dr. James Coleman, who will be our special guest on next week um, from the Providence Transformation Church International of Lynchburg, Virginia, hello to you, sir, John. Jonathan Bowler, San Chapman Atkins, hello to you. Shonda Boltner, Sharonda Elliott, Clara Vaughn Williams, Glenda Ellis Taylor, Eva Smith, Muhammad Halil, Malcolm Johnson, Brittany Parker. 
Pastor Cheryl Lloyd Dye, James Rice, Gail Richardson Ladd, Willie Tobias, Stephen D. Holloway, Gabriel Lewis, um, G. Henson, Ed Chapman, hello to you, Vontella Irvin, Marla Larkin, Marlon Jerome Hollins, Georgia Edwards, Sandra Webster, Malcolm Johnson, uh, Betty Elizabeth Arnold, hello to you, Stacy Everett, Marshall Harmon, Pastor William Jordan, uh, Stephen uh, D. Hicks, uh, Wilbur Lloyd, Dolores Thomas, Clara Vaughn Williams, and if I've missed anyone on Facebook Live, please charge it to my head and not my heart. That's just what we have on Facebook Live. That's not including our listeners on the Fishbowl Radio Network. I got some good news. Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff is rated number two. Help me get to number one. God is amazing. My show has not even been on the air for uh, an entire year. So to be told the news while this is airing that Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff is number two. That's... I'm humbled, I, and I just want to just stop and just say thank you from the bottom and top of my heart. To know that Bangladesh is one of the top places uh, uh, that views, that listens to Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff, to know that Africa, um, to know that uh, Saudi Arabia, I'm just humbled, I'm grateful for all of you. Detroit, I love you. Galilee, I love you. To Faraday, Louisiana, Atlanta, all of you, Natchez, Mississippi, Alcorn State University, Southern University, I love all of you. So to know that Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff is number two, and we're not talking about the Facebook Live views, we're talking about the listening audience um, with the radio. I'm deeply humbled, and I just want to thank you from the bottom and top of my heart. But help me get to number one. Follow me at uh, on Facebook at Dr. Tiffany M. Lloyds, and follow me on Instagram at Tiffany dot m dot lloyd and please subscribe to my facebook to my youtube channel at jesus and justice with dr tiff and spread the word and tell everyone about this ministry why did i start this ministry because i'm all about jesus and i'm all about justice and i know that that's what jesus is uh, it's, it's about justice uh, let me have my tiff talk um i don't know who this word is for but all week, I don't know what, what has been going on, but it seems like every week the Lord has been dealing with me with what to tell his people. Because every week I always ask God, God, what do you want me to say to your people? And what the Holy Spirit revealed to me is this. Stop comparing your life to someone else. Stop comparing yourself to someone else. When you do that, you are not only insulting yourself, but you are insulting God. God made one you. Nobody can beat you being you. As some bands may say, often imitated but never duplicated. Nobody can beat you being you. Nobody can beat me being me. We are effective when we operate in the assignment that God has for our life. I always say that every day that the Lord wakes you up, that is confirmation that God is not done with you. And if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. Don't you ever think that your life doesn't matter. 
God doesn't have any respect of persons. And it doesn't matter what people's bank account may look like, what title they may have, what neighborhood they may live in. Listen, God doesn't love those people any less or any more than what he loves you. You are valuable. You are important. I don't care if you are the CEO of a company. I don't care if you are a janitor. I don't care if you bag groceries at a grocery store. I don't care what you do. You matter. And you matter in the eyes of God and you are just as important as everyone else. If you are a janitor, you be the best janitor that you can be. If you are a cook, you be the best cook that you can be. Play your role. Listen, there is an assignment that God has ordained for all of us. It may not be being in a pulpit. We, it, there is ministry in everything. It may be ministry in the classroom. It may be ministry working at a grocery store. It may be ministry working at a nursing home. But anytime you operate outside of what God has called you you become ineffective don't you ever think that your role is small and that your role doesn't matter if you're at church and your role is to pass out programs you be the best programmer pastor and I'm making up a word that you can be you do it with a smile you do it in excellence because if you are faithful over a few things God will make you ruler over many so many times we try to compare our lives to someone else you don't know what people went through to get to where they are and as Dr. Chapman said be careful of what you pray for and what you ask for and also some things what we look at that we think are blessings are not always blessings sometimes people may sell their soul and may sell out and may try to dig ditches for someone else for other people to rise to the top anytime you have to sabotage someone else hurt someone else you already know that is not of God because God is not the author of confusion so I don't know who I'm talking to today let me tell you that you matter you are amazing you are beautiful you are you are the bomb girl when God made you he made a great work listen somebody is going to always be younger than you prettier than you finer than you sexier than you somebody going to always be able to be better than you at something but learn how to play your role listen for a long time I allowed people to get in my ear about what I couldn't do I was surrounding myself around people that were naysayers around a whole bunch of haters in my life but because of the fact that I didn't know who I was I was so gung-ho on what these people said oh but it was nothing but when I surrendered to God surrendered to God surrendered to God and he freed me from those people I can care less what people say listen my show Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff no I may not be on national syndication but I'm going to be the best Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff that I can be I may not be the president of a university but I'm going to be the best professor that I can be stay in your lane stay in your role don't you look at what nobody else got you just keep watering your own grass sometimes you think that the grass is greener on the other side and when you look down it's fake grass it's artificial grass sometimes when you look down it's brown grass be careful don't worry about what nobody else grass got water your own grass whether you are a deacon, whether you are a mother, whether you are just a churchgoer, listen, you be the best at what you can be. Play your role. Stay in your lane. God don't love those people no more. And listen, as quiet as it's kept, it can be lonely at the top. And no matter how much money, 
fortune, fame, title, prestige that people may have, some of them people are still miserable. Some of those people are there by default. Some of those people are there, they don't even want to be there. Be careful of what you ask for. Be careful what you pray for. Because some of us, we want the glitz and the glam, but we don't want to do the work that comes with it. We don't want to make the sacrifices that go with it. So I don't know who I'm talking to. You matter. You are important. You are loved. God is not done with you. God says you are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath the lender, and never the borrower in Jesus' name. Don't you ever think that your life doesn't matter. God woke you up this morning. God made you. Don't you know how special you are? Don't you know that God loved you so much that he took his son, that he had his son Jesus Christ to die on that cross just for you? Because you are just that special. You are just that loved. You are just that important. Don't you ever, 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 ever think that God doesn't care. Even when you feel like your world is full of chaos. And you don't feel like praying. You push yourself to pray. Because the reality is, is that God doesn't owe us anything. We owe him everything. Listen, I don't care what nobody said about you. I don't care if it's even your family, your mama, your daddy, your sister, your cousin, your grandparents, whoever, your, your husband, your wife, your boo, Shanene, whoever, Craig, Sputnik, I don't care who says something. You need to speak this over your life. If you don't speak it until you believe it, look at yourself in the mirror and say, can't nobody beat me being me. There's only one Tiffany Lloyd. There's only one Dr. Tellis Chapman. There's only one Dr. Jesse B. Bilberry. There's only one Dr. Sandra LaFleur. There's only one Georgia Edwards. There's only one Sand Chapman. Don't you ever think that God made a mistake when he made you. Don't you look at what somebody else have that's in the spotlight and try to be like somebody else. You be who God has created and ordained you to be in the name of Jesus. We speak against this spirit of depression we speak against this spirit of suicide we speak against this spirit of trying to compare yourself if God blessed you with a voice to sing don't try to sing like nobody else you sing the way God has called you to sing you pray the way God has called you to pray you preach the way God has called you to preach you teach the way God has called you to teach will the real you please stand up and you speak it over your life right now. You just say, look, I'm bad. Fold your arms right now. And you look at the camera and say, it ain't, can't nobody beat me being me. I don't care what you say. Your haters want you, <laughs> want you to die. Make them suffocate. Some of you, you are around people that are toxic. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. That's a powerful vernacular and a didactical perspective that I have always taken with me. It's like a carton of milk, an expiration date. We hold on to things and people that had an expiration date a long time ago. I don't know who I'm talking to. I'm trying to let it go. But you are bad. You are beautiful. You are handsome. What? Listen, you matter. Play your role. Stay in your lane. Stop trying to be something that you're not. Stop trying to talk a certain way that you know you don't talk that way. Stop trying to dress a certain way because somebody telling you that's how you ought to dress. 
Stop trying to break yourself because you're trying to impress people that don't even like you and going to talk about you any kind of way. Be you. It is so draining when you are trying to live your life for other people. I've been there. Don't you dare let society put a timeline on your life of when you should go to school. Dr. Chapman is accomplished and he's in school. Who wrote the book on when you should go back to school, when you should be married, when you should have a baby? Play your role. Stay in your lane. You do what God has called you to do. Not what man has called you to do. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, I ask you to please donate via cash app at dollar sign Jesus and Justice. All one word, dollar sign Jesus and Justice. Or you can go to the Fishbowl Radio Network, click on Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiffin. You can donate via PayPal. Please again, uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel at Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff. Please follow me on Facebook at Dr. Tiffany M. Lloyd. Please follow me on Instagram at Tiffany.M.Lloyd. Lord, Galilee Missionary Baptist Church, I've never been there, but once this pandemic is over, I'm coming to visit you. I love y'all. I already feel like you family. Dr. Chapman, thank you so much from the bottom and top of my heart. Hello to First Lady Chapman. Hello to all of you. Again, thank you for making Jesus and Justice number, uh, number two. I'm already speaking. We'll be number one. Until next time. May God bless you, is my prayer. Ladies and gentlemen, hi, this is Dr. Tiffany M. Lloyd, host of Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff, broadcasting live each week on Saturdays at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time from Fishbowl Radio Network Studios at Globe Life Park in Arlington, Texas. Tune in to hear how we will be unpacking issues in our society, aligning with the teachings of Christ. So be sure to log on each week on Saturdays at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time to catch Jesus. Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff. Follow me on Facebook at Dr. Tiffany M. Lloyd. Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff. On FishbowlRadioNetwork.com. Jump in.